With me to Matthew 28. Thanks to the young folk for their dramas. Kept us entertained, but there was a message in there that is so important for us to lay hold of. And what the message of the drama has done is pick up on what Scripture says about this great time of Easter. Matthew 28. We read this passage earlier, and I just want to focus in on one verse in particular this morning. It's verse 8 of Matthew 28. Let's read it again together. We remember the setting that Jesus has died. His body has been removed from the tomb, and that uh, together with uh, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea took him, took the body, and buried it in the tomb. The stone was rolled in front of the tomb so that the body could not be stolen. And the Roman guard was posted there to frighten off any would-be passionate disciples of Jesus who would steal the body. And on that Sunday morning, what we have come to know as the first Easter, the ladies came to the tomb just simply to anoint the body, to pay their respects to worship in their way and to remember that Jesus Christ, who had been their Lord while he was alive, was still their Lord in his death. And they get the greatest shock. For they meet with an angel. And they know that they're meeting with an angel because he is so different from all other men. And the angel speaks to the ladies, to the women, and tells them that Jesus Christ is risen. What a marvelous thing to be told. He is not dead, but he is alive. And the angel gives him this further uh, instruction to go and to take the message that Jesus is not dead, to take the message that Jesus is alive, and to take that and to tell the disciples of the great truth of what has taken place. And we come to verse 8. And verse 8 says, And they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy, and ran to report it to his disciples. You know, there are times in our lives where we don't know quite how we should feel about something. We are caught between two, uh, or perhaps more, conflicting emotions. We might have won a game or a trophy at the expense of our best friend. We may suffer the disappointment of missing out on something wonderful, but yet a family member receives great news. And in our sadness, we still experience their joy. Such things, as trivial as they may seem in that small example, cause us to know that we can have mixed emotions. We don't just feel one thing. We feel a number of things. God has created us as complex human beings. We're not robots. And so we feel differently. Different things at the same time. And perhaps this morning, this is your first occasion of thinking about Jesus Christ. And you're flooded with a whole different range of emotions. And you wonder, how do I process this? How do I deal with it? Maybe you're curious and you want to know more, but in your curiosity, you're slightly skeptical and you say, well, how is it possible for somebody to die and be brought back to life again? And in that truth, as you're perhaps skeptical, you begin to feel the excitement. If only this was true, then I could be saved. 
And then the anxiety kicks in. I want to trust in Christ, but what are the consequences? Our service this morning has been focused on one thing, and that is remembering the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are remembering today that Jesus Christ is not dead, but he is alive. We celebrate because we have our risen Savior. We rejoice because he is with us even now. And we are assured that in his resurrection, we will have eternal life. And this account that we've read of that first Easter morning, it's not made up, but it's factual. It's not supposition, but it is real. And as these women were going to that tomb, they did not expect to come across an empty tomb. They expected it to be filled with the body of Jesus Christ. But as they are going, they have their plans, they have their preparations. They meet a set of circumstances that goes beyond their ability to comprehend. Firstly, they speak with an angel. How many people speak with an angel in such an obvious fashion? Then they see the empty tomb and no doubt they, they poked their heads in just to make sure it was empty. And then they're told, Jesus Christ isn't dead. He's alive. The women are scared, but they're excited. The women are shocked, but they're curious. The women are dumbfounded, but they are filled with joy. And this is what happens to each and every person who comes to Jesus Christ. They are flooded with different sets of emotions. They experience these mixed emotions. And that is what I want to speak about this morning, the mixed emotions of Easter. And our verse, just in a small way, encapsulates how these women were feeling. Firstly, we read in verse 8 that they left the tomb quickly. There was an urgency that came over them. There was a feeling within them that they had to do something and they had to do it now. They couldn't put it off. They couldn't wait. The angel had said, go and tell his disciples. And so they jumped to it. The women did not put off what had to be done. The magnitude of, of these events demanded their immediate attention. They, they simply had to respond. They, they couldn't wait. They couldn't prevaricate. They couldn't just simply think, I'll deal with all of this tomorrow when perhaps I've had a chance to sit back and relax and process it all in my mind. And as these women encountered something that went beyond all measure of normality, they head away from that tomb quickly because they'd been instructed to go. They are to tell the disciples that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. And this truth, it was something that they, perhaps they just firstly had in their heads rather than their hearts. And they were going as messengers, they were going to the disciples just simply to say, well, this is what has taken place. But it is of great importance to see that they went to that task so quickly. They grasped that the matter before them was so important. And in their hearts, with every step that they hurried along, the truth was drilled and hammered further and deeper into their hearts. The truth that said, Christ is risen. Let me encourage you this morning to understand that the magnitude, the greatness, the wonder of Easter 
demands your immediate attention. Oh, Easter comes every year. And between the end of March towards the middle and end of April, it falls each and every year. We expect it to come around. We perhaps are waiting for it to come around for different reasons. And we can be lulled into this false sense of security that it is something that we can simply deal with whenever we feel it's okay to deal with it. It's one of the great problems I have in my life, putting things off. Before we moved house, there was a drip at the hot water tank. And it was just a wee drip. And I left it. And I thought, it'll sort itself out. I know there's a plumber here this morning who knows better. And then eventually when uh, the surveyor came to look at the house, he said, you know, uh, you've got a serious water leak at your water tank and it's rotted part of the wood. You see, putting things off is not good. Delaying our response to things is not always sensible. And what Easter must do uh, this morning as we come is grab our attention. And it must say to us, there is something that is taking place that is beyond normal. Something that's taking place that actually we need to deal with now. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's great to read in scripture. It's great to sing in song that Jesus Christ is risen. But do you know that in your heart today? Is it something that you build your life upon that Jesus Christ isn't dead but he is alive? Do you believe it? Do you get its importance? Or do you debate it? Do you mull it over? Do you think, well, I can deal with this at my leisure? There is an urgency about Easter that we need to trust and accept. These women left the tomb quickly so that they could tell others of the great truth that Jesus Christ was alive. And the disciples are their first port of call. These disciples were men who had actually deserted Jesus when he was arrested. Oh, they'd been there in the garden. And as the soldiers came, Peter actually took out his sword and he cut off the ear of a servant. He was ready to fight then. But as the, the seriousness of the situation took hold of Peter and other disciples, what did they do? They fled. And ultimately, they locked themselves in a room. They locked themselves away so that nobody could come and get them. And here are the women at the tomb taking the message to them. Imagine how the disciples would have felt as the knock came on the door. Firstly, they would have been terrified. Who's here to arrest us? Who's here to put us on a cross? But the voice would have come through the door. It's Mary. It's Mary. We've got to tell you, Jesus is alive. And another account of the gospel says that Peter and John, they ran to the tomb. Peter was a bit older than John, so John got there first. But John waited and it was Peter went in and saw that the tomb's empty. You know, Peter didn't hold off saying, well, I'll get round to checking this out tomorrow. Or I'll wait until the coast is clear and then I'll come out of this locked room. No, they went straight away. And they verified that what these women were telling them was true. Jesus is alive. What an amazing thing uh, to be told. What an amazing thing to be able to show to be true. That Jesus isn't dead, but he has risen from the dead. And we have received this message today. And we need to do something about it. These women knew what to do because the angel told them. How do we know what to do? 
Is it because a pastor stands up and speaks? Not really. Is it because we heard it in a song? No. Is it because the drama suggested something to us? No. We respond the way that the Bible would tell us to respond, for the Bible is God's authoritative word. And listen to what Scripture would say about what we must do. John 3 verse 18 tells us, whoever believes in Christ is not condemned. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ is not under the power of sin, but under the power of God. John 14 verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You see the pattern here. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in the risen Son of God. Mark 1 verse 15, the time has come. Repent and believe the good news. And then in Acts 16 verse 31, there is no clearer statement than this. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Oh, there's an urgency, because the message is clear. The message is unequivocal. The message is demanding of your attention. There is an urgency about Easter. Do you feel that? Do you feel that you must come and meet with the risen Christ now? But there is another emotion that these ladies uh, experience. And it simply is put this way in verse 8. They left the tomb quickly with fear. They were afraid. They were scared. They had a fear about everything that was taking place. This had gone beyond their level of experience. And many doubts, many worries, no... Uh, must have come right across their minds and into their hearts because they had nothing to reference this to. They had no experience in their past that told them how they could deal with this. And so they're frightened. The alarming fact was this, that Jesus had died. He'd been put in the tomb and when they went to the tomb, he wasn't there. And instead they met with an angel. And as the events unfolded, they must have wondered, well, where is this all going? What is actually happening? Their understanding was lacking because they hadn't been in this place before. But as the truth becomes more and more evident to them, they start to process it, they start to understand it. You know, whenever somebody first encounters Christ, or perhaps when somebody encounters Christ for the second, third, or fourth time, or so on, there are doubts, there are worries, there are concerns about what it means why it matters. And there is a very natural response. There is fear. Now fear is that human response that pertains to the preservation of life. We're scared because we see something that could hurt us. And quite often that fear is justified. Sometimes not so justified. But as we come to Christ. We have questions. Perhaps as you come to Christ this morning, you have questions. You might ask yourself, will I change if I meet with Jesus Christ? Will it be different? Well, let me tell you, yes, you will be. You might ask yourself the question, is there a cost to coming to Christ? I've heard much about the gospel being free, about God's grace being free, and about the justification that God gives being free. But is there a cost to me as I come to Christ? And yes, there is. 
Jesus said to his disciples, nobody builds a tower, nobody builds a house without first counting the cost. And Jesus said to his disciples, take up your cross and follow me. You see, we do not just come to Jesus Christ. We do not just meet with the risen Savior flippantly or without considering what it means. And it means very much that your life will be altered. It means that you will no longer be a sinner. It means you will be a child of God. Well, these fears are normal. They are usual. They are human. But we have to question. We have to process. And we have to come to Jesus Christ. Because there is a greater fear that can overtake us and it is this, the fear of being without Jesus Christ. I can't remember who it was that said that the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. And with Jesus Christ, perhaps we are thinking in our hearts, well, surely my life as it goes on is really not that bad. But yet without Jesus Christ, we are promised in Scripture that we will go to a lost eternity. Oh, this life might continue and it might be fine and everything might be great for us. But when we stand face to face with God, we will find that without Christ, we really should have been afraid. Rather than falling victim to the fear of what would take place if we trusted in Christ. Get this. The angel... The old stone, the empty tomb, all, they all testify to one thing. That Jesus Christ is alive and he is alive today. And if that one particular promise that scripture gives is true, then every other teaching that scripture gives is true. Don't let fear stop you coming to Christ. Don't let anything prevent you from taking him as your Lord and your Savior because Christ is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the one who makes all of the difference. And let Jesus do this for you as you come in repentance and faith. But there is one final emotion that we meet in this verse 8. And it is the positive emotion. Not the urgency, not the fear. But as these ladies left that tomb, they went with great joy. You know, they weren't just happy. They weren't just in a pleasant mood. But they were thrilled to their very core because Jesus Christ was alive. Oh, they didn't know the answers to all the questions. Oh, they didn't uh, know how they were going to explain how it happened. But they knew it had taken place and they felt that joy. You know, happiness is something that comes and it goes. You can go to bed one night feeling happy and the next morning you get up and you feel sad. Happiness changes time and time again, but joy doesn't change. When you have joy, it's not that you don't feel sad, it's not that you don't feel troubled, but there is still something that's planted deep within you that assures you of hope, that assures you of a future. And this is what these ladies had. They had a great joy. They didn't understand everything. They couldn't explain it all, but the joy was there right in their heart. And that is why they set off at a great pace to go and tell the disciples. Because they were not taking bad news. They weren't taking a warning. But they were taking the very good news that Jesus Christ was not dead, but he was alive. 
Who doesn't want joy? Who doesn't want to know the joy that continues, that persists, that goes on? Oh, this world can offer joy now and again, but it doesn't last for very long. The joy that God gives is everlasting. It doesn't stop. It doesn't fade. The Christmas carol that we sing says this, joy to the world. Why? The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Have you received your king? Do you know the joy of belonging to Jesus Christ? God wants you to have this joy. God wants you to know the truth that Jesus Christ is alive. And these women, they had a hope. They had a certainty uh, for the future. Because as they look back at all Christ has said, things started to drop into place. When they overheard him saying that he had to die, they perhaps were perplexed. When they overheard him saying, well, I will tear down this temple and rebuild it again in three days. Not talking about the, the temple that had been built in Jerusalem, but talking about his body. They didn't understand it when he said it, but slowly, drip by drip, their understanding comes. And with each little bit of understanding, their joy deepens further and further into their souls. And they knew that all that Jesus had said about his death and about his resurrection, because it was true, meant that everything else that Jesus said was true. They knew that they would participate in life eternal. They knew that as Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, that that meant that they would have life in heaven for all eternity. We do worry about the future. We do worry about what will happen to our family, how they will grow up and how they will get on. We worry about where we will live, where we will work. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. But through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have a very great certain hope that tomorrow we will be his. The day after that, we will be his. For all of eternity, we will be his. And while Easter might stir up in us these mixed emotions, let me encourage you, no, let me plead with you to fall at the feet of Jesus Christ. You're not worshipping a corpse, but you're worshipping him who stands in life. Know the urgency of this situation. Act now. Realize the fear of the situation that no Christ in our lives means that there will be eternal damnation but desire the joy that comes at Easter desire the joy that says if I trust in Christ I will have eternal life you know Easter isn't a festival it's not a day of religious observance but it's a day when Christians worship especially the resurrection or the Christ of the resurrection and there's no liturgy no repetition in what we do at Easter, but we long simply to celebrate it because we know that we are celebrating the one who was dead. Christ did die, but he's alive forevermore. It may be that you journey through these different emotions as you think about Easter and think about Jesus Christ, but be certain that there is one emotion that will last for all eternity. The Bible tells us 
right in the book of Revelation, that in heaven there will be no more sickness, there will be no more sadness, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more grief, there will be no more tears, but in heaven there will be joy and joy forevermore. And we can store that joy up for us now by coming to Christ Jesus, pleading for him to forgive us of our sin and through his resurrection receive life that will never fade, life that will never spoil, life that will never go downhill, but life that will always be wonderful. Do you know this joy? Is that your overriding emotion when you think of Easter? Well, we have mixed emotions. Of course we do. But Jesus Christ is the one who's the great joy giver. He's given it to many. He can, he will give it to you if you will only come. Let's pray. Almighty God and gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the time that we have spent here today simply thinking on our risen Jesus Christ. There is no greater truth that we know than Jesus Christ is alive today. For it is the risen Savior who forgives our sins. It is the risen Savior who redeems us. It is the risen Savior who brings us and welcomes us into the family of God. And so we do pray as we have spent these moments together this morning that we will have infused into our heart the great truth that Jesus Christ is not dead, but he is alive. That Jesus Christ was not a good man, but he is the Lord of all creation. That Jesus Christ was not just a healer, but he is the Savior. May we come, may we repent, and may we know that at this Easter, Jesus Christ is the one who makes the difference. Help us, we pray, for we ask it in his precious, most holy name. Amen.